Hello and welcome to the Colts Cover 2 podcast. I'm Joel A. Erickson. I'm joined as always by Nate Atkins. This time we are not uh, walking briskly out of <laughs> Mercedes-Benz Stadium. So it's a little easier to do. Yeah, we are seated. Uh, it's midweek. I uh, hope you guys all had a Merry Christmas uh, if you celebrate the holiday. If not, I hope you're having a happy holiday uh, season. Um, the Colts have a game against the Raiders that is suddenly... We've been talking. I think we've been talking about this game the wrong way, and I don't think we realized it until the Raiders beat the Chiefs on Sunday, because we've kind of been talking about it in like a, well, they've got the Raiders game as like that's the easiest game of this finishing stretch. The Raiders defense. There's a lot of reasons to be concerned about the Raiders defense. Yeah, I mean, look at the fact that they just went into Kansas City. Shut down Patrick Mahomes, and the Chiefs have have offensive problems right now, no question. But still, uh, to do that at Arrowhead is is something. And then the fact that they scored two defensive touchdowns, so they the, their defense scored as much as the Chiefs' offense did. And uh, I know you've got some of the stats on the Raiders, but yeah, their defense is just it's just been completely different under Antonio Pierce. And it's one of those groups that it's interesting to look at on paper because ever since. You know they lost Chandler Jones. You would think that they don't have, like they don't have a lot of names that are jumping out, but they just kind of all, they just kind of all flow from what Max Crosby does. Uh, right now he is playing at a level that's, it's really kind of like him, Miles Garrett, T.J. Watt. It's that kind of group right now of just those edge rushers who just take things over. And so, uh, Colts have had problems with. Elite edge rushers. I know they handled T.J. Watt, which I think was both a great game plan from Shane Steichen to to run the ball and limit his opportunities. Also, he I think it was a little rusty coming out of the concussion protocol. But other than that, those edge rushers, whether it's Miles Garrett or Trey Hendrickson or last week Calais Campbell, um, have really messed some stuff up for the Colts. So Max Crosby is the latest one, and I just think between that matchup and the way the Raiders are playing on defense – this is a tough game for the Colts even before we get into figuring out if Michael Pittman Jr. is going to be back. Yeah, let's let's go through some of the numbers um, on this Raiders defense. I believe they're number one in the NFL in EPA per play since week eight. They've allowed five, just five touchdowns in the last 37 drives they've faced. Um, and... Uh, beyond, you know, they scored twice in like two seconds against the Chiefs. Like since Antonio Pierce took over as the head coach, the the Raiders are first in points per game allowed, first in defensive touchdowns, fourth in sacks per game, sixth in tied for sixth in takeaways per game. Their yards per carry and yards per play are kind of at, at the the edge of the top ten. Like this this is a defense that that Colts fans should be worried about. The Raiders, you should be very very worried about them. Very worried about them. It's interesting that they've had just such a dramatic shift because that's also aligns with right after they lost Chandler Jones. And, you know, what they did was they fired a head coach who was the guy running the offensive side of the ball, but it's the defense that's taken over. And Antonio Pierce, you know, certainly is a, is a defensive guy. That's that's obviously got an impact on it. Patrick Graham, their defensive coordinator, who's, you know, it didn't work out well when he was with McDaniels, but before he got there, when he was with the Giants, he was one of those, like, you know, hot head coaching candidates. So they just seem to have gotten everything together. And again, I just think Max Crosby is sort of powering that unit right now where you have just such this what's so key with him is how unblockable he is in both the pass and run games. And so 
it kind of works hand in hand where he sets up his own pass rushing opportunities and that balance makes him harder to take away than like you know just running at tj watt to kind of kind of get him out of his strengths max crosby is just more balanced game and uh that just a couple of matchups i'm very worried about for the colts it's it, it based again we we're, we're taping this on wednesday so we got to get to friday and see who's in and who's out but based on where they're at right now they they if they don't have Braden smith back you know that is the, the biggest concern and then like i said if they don't have michael pittman jr back that's sort of to me their easiest way to get out of what some teams have done to them whether it's the five-man front or just loads of pressures some of these quick uh short depth of target passes to michael pittman jr who has eight catches in 10 different games uh they you know what we saw last week which was a little different they they prepared to have him all week and then found out late they weren't going to have him but uh Pretty much the last two years, we've seen two starts without Michael Pittman Jr., and they've had no passing game. So uh, I think the combination of those injuries right now should have you a little concerned on that side of the ball. Up up until up until about five weeks ago, the way to the way to play against the Raiders was to run the ball. Um, they 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 had a lot of high yardage high yards per carry, high efficiency games given up. Um, but over the last five games for them, which is Miami, Kansas City. Minnesota, the Chargers, and then Kansas City again. These are the yards per carry. Three and a half, three, 4.4, 3.3, 3.4. So all of a sudden, even the run defense is not necessarily what it, what the, the overall numbers look like. Um, and and that's, that's a big problem against a, a Colts run game that it's been up and down this season. Uh, you know, you mentioned the Crosby Free, the the Crosby Blake Freeland matchup. If Braden Smith can't go, that's bad in the pass game. It's also bad in the run game. There there were a significant amount of runs I thought on Sunday, where that you watched it and Taylor wanted to maybe bounce to the right and he couldn't because Freeland really struggled uh, in, in the run game too. So it, Crosby Crosby is a, a huge deal both in the pass and the run game. Yeah, that was a big thing I was asking around about after the game was just it felt like they never got Jonathan Taylor on the edge at all and it was just it, I know it drew a lot of fans crazy that it looked like they kept running up the middle I don't think that was always their intent it's just like those edges were so messed up between Blake Freeland struggles and between the fact that Calais Campbell is a guy that pretty much demands he changes the math there on the on the edge where he demands basically a double team and so when you run that five-man front that's really kind of like a six-man front with him down there. So, uh, you know, Max Crosby's a little different. He's not quite the massive frame that Clayus Campbell is, but he still is vicious enough against the run. Certainly one-on-one, it's it's not what you, where you want to live. So they're going to have to give Blake Freeland some tight end help there. And that's another part of this that's, I think, been interesting is that the Colts for a stretch here this season had, like when I think – Part of why their run game has dropped off over the past month. One factor I think has been Drew Ogletree's health. You know, he had he had plantar fasciitis and then uh, you know missed a couple weeks, came back, and he's they've been limiting his snaps since he came back. It just doesn't seem like he's fully uh, fully in the flow there. And without that, they don't have you know Mo Ali Cox kind of operates as a as a sixth lineman, but they don't really have that that move tight end who can kind of kick out guys and and help Jonathan Taylor get to the perimeter. So it's been hard. They've got to find some way to get Taylor going and to the perimeter. And I don't 
you know, the best way we, we, I feel like we've had this conversation so many times, but you've, at some point you've just got to be able to find ways to throw out of throw teams out of that five man front. And, you know, that's where Michael Pittman Jr. Matters a lot because there just isn't so far, it just does not look like there's an outside wide receiver on this team that you can put in that role and just sort of bake in production regardless of what the defense is doing. And so, so we'll see. We'll see if he can get bounce back and get out of concussion protocol after he, you know, he had symptoms flare back up last Saturday. Uh, we'll get to Friday and see where he's at. But uh, yeah, suddenly it just feels like some. Shane Sykes done such a great job managing this offense and the personnel losses they've had all season. I feel like the past three weeks or so, some of those injuries have really, really caught up to them, and uh, we'll see how, how much how much gas they have left because. They're going to need it to be able to score in the Raiders. The flip side of it is that the Raiders, the Raiders' offense does not necessarily scare you in the same way the Falcons did. Although, although I will say this, the Raiders do have good talent at the skill positions like the Falcons do. But you know, this this is a this is also a Raiders team that. Um, well, I don't know. Not, the more I talk about it, not the, thinking about the skill position players, now I'm concerned basically because of what we saw against Atlanta. But they, they just they've really haven't done a ton on offense lately. They did they have run it pretty well the last two weeks. Um well really three of the last four they've been at four point eight carry four point eight yards per carry or above. I think if they if they get to the edge um if they get to the edge and they don't run it at Grover and Buck, kinda like the Falcons did, they they can get themselves in some, some advantageous situations there. You know, the the passing game with Aiden O'Connell They've got Devontae Adams. Um, generally, though, it has not been a great passing game with Aiden O'Connell as as a quarterback. No, and it's you look at the names in their passing game. You've got him, and you've got uh, Devontae Adams, and you've got Hunter Renfro and Jacoby Myers. So it's like, and then uh, Michael Mayer when he's healthy at tight end. So like, I guess it is a little bit like the Falcons that you're, you're sitting here thinking they have the skill players, can they figure out enough at quarterback? And Taylor Heineke stepped in last week and did more than more than enough. Uh, Aiden O'Connell, yeah, I don't know. I, I don't know that there's – you can expect him to transform into a whole lot more right now. They had a whole – they had a 48 total passing yards against the Chiefs. Now, I will say this. The Chiefs' defense has been much better this season than the Colts has, especially yeah. in the secondary. Yeah, it was just interesting to see the Raiders – really turn it on on the ground without Josh Jacobs in that game because they got the ball back up 20 to 14 and you know Arrowhead's rocking and the Chiefs are st- you know they're trying to get the ball back and, and the Raiders just ran hog wild on them and again that was uh that was with Zamir White not even Josh Jacobs so it's like they I don't know maybe they've unlocked a little something in their run game if they have that's going to be a big difference here that's going to tr- stress a, a Colts defense that it's weird because we knew why they were struggling against the run when Grover Stewart was out. Grover Stewart came back in, and you felt that lift. And yet last week it was so bad. Well, and he defense. and he made plays. I think that was the other thing about Sunday was that, yeah. that Stewart did make a few plays that we're used to seeing from him against the Falcons, and they were still able to get they were still able to really be effective in the rushing game, even dealing with some of the Grover Stewart of it all. Yeah, it's uh, it's a few other things that are catching up to him. I guess it's uh, you know Zaire Franklin. I don't think is playing his best right now. 
kind of ever since he left with the knee injury and missed the game against the Panthers, uh, when he's been in space, it just has not quite been uh, what we were used to earlier in the season. And, you know, they just lost Julian Blackman for the season. Nick Cross is in there now. And uh, Nick, you know, I, I thought they played it should have played him a lot earlier. So he's got a ton of talent, uh, super explosive athlete. But there is something to be learned or, or developed in the run fits, especially they really look at that strong safety position as a pretty key run defense communicator and just run defender, guy who fits fits in a lot of these places. So that's a factor to it. Uh, yeah, I don't know. It's they, And then it's just as simple as they just didn't tackle at all on Sunday. And if you're going to do that against Josh Jacobs, you're going to get run over. So, uh, yeah, you like to think it's just a, a really terrible performance by them that they'll flush, but they, they better because – that would be the that would be the route that would lose this game is if you just if you if you tackle poorly and you give up some gashing runs to Josh Jacobs that may be all the Raiders need with what their defense can do yeah you're not giving you're not you're just not really expecting the Raiders backs to have the same sort of side to side you know devastating like suddenness that Bijan Robinson has but Tyler Algier had a pretty good game on Sunday too and he doesn't have any of that so you expect them to try to you know do some of that stuff. Gus Bradley was saying that they've got to do better against running backs in general. I would just say I would assume that that's true again. If you're the Raiders, like you want to get the ball to Devontae Adams, but you can also just flip it out to the running backs and see if the Colts can cover it. Um, yeah. I don't know. This is this is a game with the Raiders. The Raiders are seven and eight now. Is that correct? Yep. Um, this is a game that we looked at with Aiden O'Connell being the starter as like one you. You should absolutely win. It just, just doesn't feel like that anymore, and maybe that's maybe that's part of acknowledging, you know, that as 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 surprising as it is that the Colts are eight and seven, um, they're they're still eighth in the league in scoring. Does that surprise you? Surprise yeah, me a little bit does. that it hasn't gone down. I mean, the points per game have gone down some. They were at twenty five ish a couple weeks ago, I remember, and now they're in they're in the they're twenty three point six. But they're still in the top ten in the NFL in points per game. Um it's that's that's with the Cincinnati performance, with the Carolina and New England performances, uh, with last week's performance. They're still eighth in the league in scoring. But there is also an element of just looking at this team that they're just as as good as it was that they got to eight and six. Like, this is still a team that's on its backup quarterback. For the, has 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 lost Jonathan hasn't hasn't had Jonathan Taylor for seven games this this season. Four at the beginning and three and and then you know somewhat hampered in games coming off of those injuries. Never had the tight end they thought they were going to have. Um, Braden Smith has missed eight games, seven games now. Like eight games. The, they're not on Plan A. And it's surprising that they're in this position more so than it is like how could this possibly happen to them? They they there's there's a, they like they didn't they didn't they're they're playing very they're very, very young in the secondary. We should talk about Julian Blackman here for a second. Um we'll do that, we'll get there in a second. But like this is a team that has very obvious flaws. And it was it's surprising that they're eight it was surprising that they were at eight and six. It's surprising that they're at eight and seven and still in the playoff mix, given what they've dealt with. I think if you look at the way their seasons flowed, it's like they've they've managed to have this go in a certain way where, like, 
the regression hits all in one game, basically. So against the Bengals, they got blown out. Against the Falcons, they got blown out. Against the Jaguars on the road there, they got blown out. And it's like some of the other games, they even when they struggle, they 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 just pull out just enough to be in it or win it. I think about like the Titans game was looking bad at the start. They came back, you know, they got to overtime. They they win it in overtime. They were able to hold on for dear life against uh, well against the Patriots. I'm thinking about. I mean, they've had they had a great performance against the Steelers. But for the most part, it's like we've seen the – like when you talk about this team being 8-7, and seven, we've seen the moments of just pure regression of of all of our concerns coming out. They just seem to happen all kind of in one moment, which is good in a way is that you, you just kind of get it get it out in one loss rather than let it string out into a few different ones. Uh, but it is weird to, make, to think about this team, about, you know, they're 8-7, and seven, but they, you know, they seem like they're capable of winning any – just a, you know, a lot of these games, they also seem capable of getting blown out by a lot of these games, uh, or a lot of these teams. Like if you think about it, going into last week, I would have for sure said that the how should I say this? I would have first back in the past couple of weeks, I would have said the Falcons are a better team than the Raiders. They, I think they're kind of even right now. In different ways. I mean, two two very, very good defenses, two backup quarterbacks. I guess they're kind of similar in the sense that they have really good skill players and your challenge is can you keep them from getting the ball and killing you. Uh, but, yeah, it's like the they're, – they're, both of those teams are like the type of – they're not great teams, but they're capable enough to beat you if your flaws show up. And so that's kind of been the story of this Colts team is – how long can they cover their flaws for? And it, the good thing for them is they found ways to bounce back, but it also is hard to keep that going when they've, when the Colts have ripped off a win streak, uh, like the, what they won four in a row, but included games over the Patriots and Panthers, which are like, you know, the dregs of the NFL. The dregs of the NFL. So it's like they're doing enough, and uh, what their schedule is to be in contention. But they're they're absolutely a team that like. I don't know. It was weird to, to me to even hear them talk about how they didn't. They thought they lacked focus and energy this past week. Like this, this team can't roll over against the, like anybody and win right now. They're not that talented. That's been the. That's really the issue. Is in terms of the guys who are healthy and out there playing. This team is not. You know they're they're playing. They've they've played over their heads to get to eight and seven. So they've got to be on the details when these games matter. When these games are, um, you know, like the. The Raiders are a team that's, I guess, they're in the hunt. Can they make it if they win two more? Probably comes down to some tiebreaker stuff. They can still technically win their division. Oh, that's right. Chiefs would have to lose two. Yes. But, yeah, they're at least going to play in the mindset of, like, they've got something going. And I think that's what they took into Kansas City. And I think that's Well, they're also playing for their coach. Like, that's the thing is, like, there's also the Antonio Pierce factor – I think the, I mean, that's a pretty strong storyline coming out of Las Vegas. I think the Raiders' playoffs are not. They're playing to try to keep Antonio Pierce there. Yeah, that you know, there's something to be said for that. This is a Raiders team that just a few years ago, back in 2021, had an interim coach that everyone wrote them off. They made the playoffs by turning that season around and actually beating the Colts in – the second to last game of the season in Lucas Oil Stadium. So they can come here and do it. It's a very different looking team because it doesn't 
that was all about Derek Carr kind of making things happen, and it was you know pre Devontae Adams, and uh, you know they were you thought of them more of an offensive team. This is a truly defensive team that's got a couple of star offensive players, but in that way, the more I talk through it, I actually think they're kind of they have a similar makeup to their team as the Falcons, who actually like when I looked at them realized how much better their defense was than I maybe I had realized. And then we saw on Sunday their defense, yeah, it can give you some problems, especially when you cannot block them up front. It just messes a lot of stuff up. This is a somewhat similar situation where if you cannot if, – if they don't have a plan for Max Crosby, I don't know how they really win this game easily outside of, you know – outside of doing some things on special teams. And maybe this is the game where they do that. But they've got to it's, – it's, it's like Pittsburgh game to me again, which is it all comes down to, like, can they find a good enough plan against the superstar edge rusher knowing that they're just not built to win that or, or even break even in that matchup, that, that something's got to give there. And in that game, the, the Colts did it great. They, they were able to get the lead, turn the heat on to uh, Mitch Trubisky and just run downhill and run at will on the Steelers. Uh, but game script is very, very critical to that. When you're when you're trying to come back on those edge rushers, like they have been against the Browns and Bengals and Falcons, uh, that's when you let those guys pin their ears back. And that those those have been the moments when those guys have wrecked the game. A couple of other things to keep in mind, uh, just in terms of some of the stats that people look at: the Colts, they're eight and seven. I think they've surprised everybody, but they're twentieth in DVOA. They're 19th in terms of point differential. Some some of some of what they've had to play through is is encased in those stats, and the fact that they're playing a backup quarterback, Garner Minshew, is not. Uh, none of his numbers, outside of the wins and losses, put him, you know, in the top 20 quarterbacks in the league. You know, uh, and so that that's part of this is this this is a team that has been winning despite having flaws and the question with these last two games is can they overcome those flaws enough to get in the playoffs to me yeah <laughs> i feel like we've it's a weird team in that way because we discussed that for pretty much and ever since anthony richardson went down and that's sort of like when the start the injuries with braden smith started they've kind of been in and out with jonathan taylor all year so they've had and then the quarterback situation's been this way pretty much all year so it's like some weeks they find the answers and some weeks they can't. <laughs> and so sometimes I think the matchup is set. So so I think about it this way. Three of the games that, that stand out to me that the Colts have lost were the Falcons, Bengals, and Saints. What all those teams had in common was they came in either like right around 500-ish. And so we weren't really sure how good they were, but all three of them had these dominant skill players and it was like can that team find a good enough plan to get the ball to the skill players and can they just expose the Colts in that way and, and all three of those teams did it now there is another team like that that the Colts found the answer against which is the Buccaneers um, so they they can do it it's not just this easy recipe to ride but I do think that it the more I see matchups like that and, and I guess you could maybe you could throw the Steelers in there I don't think quite they kind of George Pickens and not a whole lot else. Yeah, I don't know if I'd put the Steelers. So maybe in there. not as much, but but I think when I see teams on paper that have like multiple skill guys who can kill you, that's sort of the matchup that I get worried about for the Colts because it just stresses too much on the back end of their defense. It, it basically is begging for the pass rush to make up for it, which has been the story of their season. But what it takes is 
teams are using their aggressiveness against them with screens and tempo. They're finding ways to get around that pass rush enough with the way the Colts are trying to play their DBs where they're playing so far off the ball. There's so much space in there. Like they're Right now there's just ways to get around the Colts on defense, and it's more about do you have the skill players, do you have the offensive plan to do it or not. And the quarterback that can execute it. I, J, let's talk about Julian Blackman. Julian Blackman is a big loss. I think bigger than a lot of Colts fans realize. Um, I think I would make the argument that he has been the best player in the Col- and the most important player in the Colts secondary this season. Um, now, some of the, the traditional counting numbers back that up. He leads the team in both interceptions and pass breakups. I think I think it goes beyond that, though. It goes beyond that in all of the way, different ways they use him. Um, you know, he's a strong safety that played nickel last year, so they can kind of use him on the backside uh, in spread stuff in coverage against players that aren't that, that, that in in the slot. Since Kenny Moore is already occupied on the other side, um, he's the one safety so far who's like driven down on the ball consistently. Over the middle of the field, they've been had they've had tons of trouble in the middle of the field lately. Um, he's been good. At, he's he's been a fairly sure tackler and run support. You get the playmaking. Like Julian Blackman is a big loss for this team. Now you go into this game against the Raiders. Your starting corners are both rookies, and your your two starting outside corners are both rookies. And then your two safeties are guys who are second year players. And Rodney Thomas is is kind of he's he's. He's regressed a little bit, and then Nick Cross is essentially making, you know, he's been playing a lot more lately, but he's really only played something like 400, 400-ish snaps in the NFL defensively. This is a very inexperienced secondary for the last two games of the season, and they just lost somebody who, Julian Blackman is a big loss, and it really puts, there's been pressure on the pass rush all season, Pass rush has kind of had to carry them all season, but the the pressure is even more so now because they they just they're not very like and you start thinking about like going up against a guy like Adams, who's known as one of the great elite technicians of our time in the NFL, and that lack of experience gets really really nerve wracking. Yeah, and I think Julian Blackman's just he's always been you know, a very vocal player. That's part of why they thought he would be a good fit in a strong safety role that's very, very big on communication. And that that hurt them when he had to leave against the Falcons because they had sort of a – the way they described it as a more complex game plan. And then he's out, and not only that, but the Falcons are running tempo, and it just sort of took them out of everything they want to do. So, I mean, one thing that's going to help is being back at home is sort of going to give some of that – confidence and energy from the crowd to the defense and make it harder on an offense to communicate but also the Colts are the ones who have to really really communicate well on defense it's just hard when you got young players it's crazy to think that Rodney Thomas is the second oldest starting DB that they have and he's in his second season you told me this earlier and it seemed it felt like the it felt like you were wrong I told it to Rodney Thomas and he was absolutely baffled that that was the case but it's Kenny Moore and then it's Rodney Thomas and then you've got two rookies, and you've got Nick Cross, who's only 22 years old. So, uh, yeah, it's kind of crazy. It's You know, Nick Cross, Julian's a big loss. I guess technically Henry Black, who they just signed off of the practice squad, would be older. Is he older than uh, – Yeah, Henry Black's been in the NFL for a little while. Yeah, starting DBs. 
started, but but guys, if you if you just want to put it on guys who will play, yeah, because Henry Black's probably not going to play defense unless something terrible happens injury wise. Like, yeah, second oldest. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, Julian's been he's been a great fit at strong safety. Uh, you know, the bright side to it is that if you're going to have another player go down, I mean, this is an opportunity for Nick Cross to get on the field as we've called for. He has made some impressive plays like the interception he had against Pittsburgh. Uh, he had a great third down stop coming from depth against the Buccaneers. So strong safety is the position. He's cross-trained at three of them. That's the one he knows the most. Uh, that's kind of the one that was the one he started at last season. So there's worse there's certainly worse backups you could bring in, but it 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 just goes back to another young player who is in situations he hasn't been in, dealing with things like what Devontae Adams does to young defenders who are trying to figure this out on the fly. So, yeah, we this we say this all the time, but it again comes down to, like, can the pass rush find a way to lift these guys up for another game? Because that has been the weakness of outside of quarterback. The Raiders' offensive line is not uh, – it's, it's, it's struggled in pass protection and run blocking – uh, for a lot of the season, it's it's just that's got to be the matchup where the, the Colts take advantage of it, and that's where again they've got to just not be exposed too much in their attack scheme. Like some of those screen passes came back this past week, the ones that were there against the Bengals and that they fixed against the Steelers, and then so it's like this kind of back and forth where can teams hurt them enough for their aggressive play in the front end? But it's like there's been so many injuries on this team that. Still, the one area we're talking about that's been really healthy is the pass rush, and they just set the record for Saxon Indianapolis history. They've they've got to step it back up because they only had one sack against the Falcons for zero yards, and I feel like any time the stat book looks like that, they're not going to win. The communication piece is big too. This like that's a big reason why Roddy McLeod took over initially last year from Nick Cross. Nick Cross obviously started his first couple games as a rookie. Um, the strong safety makes all the calls and checks for this defense. And so that communication piece is another enormous part. Now, the secondary has been vulnerable all season. The, the concern I have is that it gets even more vulnerable with Julian Blackman out, just as a, in terms of consistency, the way he's played this year. Um, the pass rush, the hard thing with the pass rush is the Raiders are going to know that they're going to tell Aiden O'Connell. I guarantee they're telling Aiden O'Connell all week, don't keep the ball in your hands very long. We're going to run a bunch of play action. Uh, we're going to slide stuff. We're going to move you. We're going to do whatever we can to get the, – when the, the good news is O'Connell is not – like Heine, Taylor Heineke is not a great quarterback, but he's a veteran enough to, that when they, the Falcons give him the game plan, he said this point blank on, in, the, in the Falcons locker room after the game on Sunday. The, the emphasis all week for them was get the ball out of your hands quickly and if you need to do, drop back further, we're going to do play action. We're going to do something to help take a little bit of teeth out of the pass rush. When the Colts have played quarterbacks who aren't disciplined or experienced enough to follow that game plan, they've been able to get sacks. Aiden O'Connell being a rookie, maybe that helps. But in general, teams know what to do against the Colts' pass rush. The question is, you know, can the quarterback execute it? And that's what we don't know about Aiden O'Connell. They're they're coming off a game where they had they're coming off a game where they had forty eight total passing yards against the Chiefs. <laughs> yeah, and it's one of those where like I thought the return of Juju Brents on paper would help with some of this. 
and it can. It just it was Sunday was his first game and his first game back, right? He played against the Steelers. Did you? Yeah. Second game back. Second game back. Yeah, I mean, it, I I didn't notice mistakes against the Steelers, but uh, but this week it it didn't. He struggled in that game against the Falcons in, in some of the ways that you thought that he would help them out, which is the physicality, the ability to tackle on the perimeter. Uh, that's some stuff that I just I think some of the rust of so much time off has caught up to him a little bit. Uh, but but if he can get back to doing that, that's one of the ways where. You know, you lose Julian Blackman, but you add your most talented outside cornerback um, recently back into the mix. You know, that's got to be one of the areas that they could um, that they can compensate for it. But there's just like just certain guys on this defense have are capable talent wise of playing better than they've played recently. He's one of them, and Zaire Franklin's another one. They're just going to have to do more. I mean, they're just going to have to. It, it is set up to be a defensive game because of. You know, the skill sets of what they have at quarterback. And we'll see. Again, Michael Pittman Jr.'s availability, I think, is a big part of this. But as of right now, I think at best if they get him back, it's sort of a, you know, he hasn't practiced with them for a couple weeks. So it's going to be a little harder against this Raiders team to move the ball. The defense has really got to be stout. And that's – when you think back on the, the last two losses, the Bengals and Steelers, that's been – or Bengals and Falcons – the number of explosive plays they've given up for a defense that is pretty admit, openly admitting that they're designed to not give up explosive plays, that to me has gotten concerning, especially when it's, the conversation's changed now with Julian Hurt, but they'd gotten pretty healthy on that side of the ball for a stretcher. Once they got Grover back from suspension, you know they've had Juju back for two games. Now Julian is hurt, but for the most part, they – it's not like they're just losing all the guys that that can make this happen. It's just some of the guys that they have who have played better or have have shown more talent. They just haven't all been there over the past month. Yeah, and they're in a position now where they kind of have to win. There's there's too many teams in the AFC bunched up here. They still have a chance at the division. The Jaguars keep losing. Trevor Lawrence keeps getting different body parts hurt. Uh, they granted they play the the Panthers and the Titans here at the end. Um, they still have a chance at division. They still have a chance at the playoffs, uh, but they're going to have to win. They have to win, and they definitely have to have this Raiders game, I think, to set up what looks like it. It kind of looks like we're headed for a some form of do or die against the Texans in in the final week of the season. It, it'll be an interesting game to see if they bounce back against the Raiders. Uh, for the Colts Cover 2 podcast, I'm Joel A. Erickson. This has been Nate Atkins. We'll be back on Sunday night, New Year's Eve, uh, with another pod after whatever happens against the Raiders and I think one of the other things is you know it feels like we know what's going to happen based on the Atlanta game but that is not how the NFL works nope sure isn't not at all uh so that's it that's it for the Colts cover two podcast for midweek like I said we'll see how the Colts play against the Raiders and then adjust our outlook on the final week accordingly (laughs) 